Circle of Blue looks at an opportunity to protect a way of life confronted by oil and clean energy. The Big Bend region of West Texas gets its name from a dramatic arc in the Rio Grande as the water wends through a landscape of awesome scale and fierce beauty. Soaring mountains, seas of golden grass, imposing cliffs, sunsets ablaze with color easing into skyscapes of glittering stars. It's hard not to be impressed by the rugged splendor of this country, but it's also a hard place to live. Household incomes are low. Droughts are an episodic hazard. Ranching is a tough business. The tourist trade is a six-month deal. The Big Bend region is home to three counties, Brewster, Presidio, and Jeff Davis. According to the U.S. Census Bureau, all three lost residents over the last decade. Well over a third of the people living in Jeff Davis County are over 65. A few years back, the U.S. Department of Agriculture counted 80,000 head of cattle in the Big Bend area. That's roughly four times as many humans living there now. So few people have gained a foothold that this part of West Texas rivals Alaska for fewest people per square mile. And that is just the way most of the Big Bend residents want it to stay. Lewis Harvison is the director of the Borderlands Research Institute at Sewell Ross University in Alpine. He said, people live here for a reason. Our environment, our viewsheds, that's huge. They define us. When 2020 began, Texas was booming, thanks in large part to the Permian Basin, then considered the world's liveliest energy production region. The rush was on for oil and gas wells, tank batteries, pipelines, high-voltage transmission lines, and immense wind and solar stations. All that activity, however, created enormous strains on limited water supplies and major challenges for wastewater disposal. Big Bend area residents were watching, anxious that the energy sprawl in the Permian Basin would creep into their counties from the north and begin to gnaw at their rugged landscape. And then things in the Permian Basin got a lot quieter. Just a few months into the year, the threat of runaway energy development in West Texas subsided. Two major things happened. The first was economic, connected to surplus oil and gas production. Prices fell and new drilling was curbed. The second was pandemic. COVID-19 let the air out of the national and global transportation sector. In the U.S., Demand for oil fell by almost 25%. Drilling for oil and gas slowed dramatically. The pressure of energy development eased, but the counties of Big Bend knew they were in the eye of the storm. The question was, how long would the lull last? Mere months before the production glut and the pandemic strike, residents feared for things that they held dear, the Chihuahuan Desert, the region's ranching heritage, 
the neighborly warmth of their small towns. For centuries, the region had been remote, magnificent, and untamed. But people knew its character was not immune to industrial development, and they wanted to be ready with a plan. Last year, the Austin-based Cynthia and George Mitchell Foundation, which supported this reporting project, reached out to the Borderlands Research Institute and the Nature Conservancy. Together, they launched a project called Respect Big Bend. Through civic dialogue, it aims to ease the conflict between development and environmental interests, and it encourages preservation of the region's natural heritage. The silver lining of the energy sector slump is that the Big Bend region has more time to fine-tune its approach to the future. Preventing energy sprawl is not necessarily a matter of either-or. It can be a thoughtful and deliberate process of getting various interests on board with an unusual goal in Texas, tilting the balance between corporate shareholders and community stakeholders, putting more weight on the side of preserving what is sacred in this rustic territory. It's been done here before. Big Bend National Park is a signature example of how the United States tilted the balance to stakeholders. But just to the north, the frenzied development speaks to the more common case of a fulcrum tipped heavily to the shareholders. The challenge for the Big Bend region is how to bolster stakeholder values in a state whose regulations and economics lean heavily toward energy development. The multi-year Respect Big Bend project relies on public opinion and data mapping. Community input determines what's important in the region, and digital mapping identifies where those values are most likely to take root. Earlier this year, after months of conversation and public meetings, the project issued its roster of geographic and cultural values most prized by people in the three counties. The priorities are a mirror to the place. People are passionate about their big ranch country and their storied way of life. They treasure their grasslands, viewsheds, dark skies, remote tranquility, wildlife corridors, and the freedom to roam and hunt. The people of Big Bend have put their arms around the last wild mythic place in Texas. Dr. Harvison of the Borderlands Research Institute said, Our goal is to keep the region pretty much like it is. It's not impossible. Big Bend is a place that everybody in Texas holds dear. It's an iconic part of the state. It's our vacation ground. It's not just the locals that cherish this area. It's not impossible, but it is devilishly difficult and complicated. Most of the land in the area is privately owned, so ranchers and landowners will need to buy in. As for energy companies, their incentives lie in the other direction. Drilling permits are simple to gain from the Texas Railroad Commission. Pipeline companies use eminent domain to direct their projects almost anywhere they want. Wind and solar developers don't need state permits to start construction. 
Water use in much of the Permian Basin is unregulated, and wastewater disposal permits are easy to obtain. The effects of this shareholder superiority are unmistakable just beyond the northern borders of the Big Bend counties. There rest the frames of the two most powerful giants in the U.S. energy industry, fossil fuels and electrical generation. Together, they have become one of the most formidable agents of land transformation ever seen in this part of Texas or in other open spaces in the West. Until this year, the giants were restless. North of the Big Bend region, in a 17-county drilling zone known as the Permian Basin, the scale and speed of energy development was immense, intense, and voracious. Trucks pounded the two-lane highways, hauling pipe and equipment to drilling sites and loading up raw petroleum from batteries of storage tanks. Plastic pipes stretched across the land to supply billions of gallons of fresh water for fracking. Vast quantities of wastewater from oil and gas extraction, so-called produced water, was pumped, piped, or hauled to deep wells where wastewater was injected into the earth. Amid the frenzy, oil field workers clamored about dozens of drilling rigs scattered across dry farm fields, land that a decade ago was bountiful with cotton, alfalfa, and vegetables. By day, tiny towns like Cayanosa, Mentone, and Orla were virtually engulfed in the dust of drilling and truck traffic. By night, blinding white flames ignited the sky burning off natural gas that had nowhere to go but up. Since 2006, when fracking began in earnest, some 87,000 oil and gas wells have been permitted in the Texas Permian Basin. That's according to the state. Reeves County, north of Jeff Davis County, was the largest gas producer in Texas and the fourth largest oil producer in the state. Next door, Pecos County was in the top 15 for both oil and gas. The counties north of the Big Bend region embodied the full-bore attitude, driving an era of fossil energy dominance not seen in the U.S. since the end of World War II. It wasn't only fossil fuels that were booming. Renewable energy developers also moved into the region with the same zeal for massive installations for wind and solar. They came with high-voltage transmission lines to send the power to Texas cities. Pecos County is now the largest renewable energy generator in the state. It hosts nearly 700 wind turbines, each capable of generating 675 megawatts of electricity. Six large solar stations have been built in the last few years, and county officials say that more are on the way, with six additional plants under construction or having been proposed. In a couple years, Pecos County will have an installed capacity of almost 2,200 megawatts of renewable electricity. That's equivalent to a nuclear plant with two reactors. And that's a higher solar energy output than all but six other states. As an added bonus, Pecos County collects taxes and fees from each of the stations, 
ranging from $80,000 to $250,000. Remy Ramos is the executive director of the Economic Development Corporation in Fort Stockton, the Pecos County seat. He said, we are glad to have them. Most of the solar plants are in the northeastern part of the county. Out of sight, out of mind. To the south, the three Big Bend counties see things differently. They have opposed letting what they call energy sprawl get a toehold within their borders. In 2010, residents discouraged a major solar station proposal, but in 2015, other energy developers got a foot in the door. A French company announced plans to level 360 acres of rangeland to build a 50-megawatt solar station in neighboring Brewster County. Another developer, Energy Transfer Partners, filed for permission with the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission for a natural gas pipeline that would run under the Rio Grande. The 148-mile Trans-Pecos Pipeline was designed to channel natural gas from the Permian to Mexico. Both the solar station and the pipeline began service in 2017. That same year, Helios Operating LLC, a Houston-based wildcatter, got permits to drill two oil wells in the mountains of northwest Presidio County. Last year, the company said the wells produced marketable quantities of oil. In February, the Presidio County Water Conservation Board awarded Helios a permit to draw groundwater for fracking. The amount of water allowed was 10 acre-feet about 3.3 million gallons. Big Bend residents went after the Trans-Pecos Pipeline. They formed the Big Bend Conservation Alliance, a public interest nonprofit, and took their protests to the legislature and the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission. They argued that the pipeline corridor was an unsightly danger to wildlife. And they complained about pipeline companies using eminent domain to justify their liberties with private land. The protest inspired a documentary released this spring titled Trans-Pecos, the story of stolen land and the loss of America's last frontier. The opposition had no effect on the construction or operation of the pipeline. It did, however, offer strategic lessons for activists. Trey Gerfers is a local professional translator who has chaired the Conservation Alliance. He said, I came out of it thinking, what do we do now? Everybody has been awakened from the myth of the remoteness of the Big Bend region, that it's going to protect us forever and ever. Nothing is ever going to change here. That fantasy went away. The landowners were chastened. They're the king of their castle. But there's a bigger king out there. He wants your castle, and he's going to take it. Gerfer said that the pipeline situation was a constant game of catch-up. But, he added, my thought is why don't we get ready for the next challenge? Dr. Harvison and others were thinking the same thing when the Mitchell Foundation approached them. Last year, when they formed Respect Big Bend, the goal was to better understand what needs protection, and develop tools to get it done. The project has some time to tune its strategy. 
Excessive supplies of natural gas have driven prices down. Late last year, the Apache Corporation announced it was slowing development because of the lowest prices seen since before World War II. Four years ago, the Houston-based company had leased 346,000 acres, just over the border from Brewster and Jeff Davis counties, and it had planned to drill and frack 5,000 natural gas wells. The Texas Bureau of Economic Geology offered another break for the Big Bend region. This state science agency studied the rock formations underlying the three counties and concluded they are not suitable for oil and gas development or fracking. Trey Gerfers expressed guarded optimism, saying, You never say when with big energy, but it looks like we are in a much better position than we were. It's not unusual for rural regions to resist the influences of new development. To some extent, it's been the central economic and ecological confrontation in Texas and in the nation for the last 70 years. Veteran activists know that it is essential to prepare for developments in technology that will enable companies to extract resources once thought unrecoverable. Such emerging techniques will make both the resources and their locations more attractive to exploitation. Trey Gerfers is focusing on one important resource. As chairman of the Presidio County Underground Water Conservation District, He's working on what he calls the next big issue, water, its supply and use. It's a daunting challenge. Every frack job for oil and gas wells consumes as much as 400,000 barrels of water per well. That's over 16 million gallons, or enough to keep 150 families well supplied for half a year. The water is mixed with chemicals and sand, and fills the well at such high pressure that, like an overinflated tire, it blows up and blasts fractures in the oil and gas-bearing formations, releasing the fossil fuels trapped there. It takes 7 to 10 gallons of water to produce a single gallon of oil. At least half of the water, contaminated with all sorts of metals and pollutants, is forced back to the surface in order to make room for oil and gas to flow. Energy companies now dispose of most of their wastewater by injecting it under high pressure into deep underground disposal wells. In some states, the practice has caused earthquakes. There are 596 such wells in Pecos County and 278 more in Reeves County, according to state records. In the Permian, water supply and disposal is a $12 billion a year business. According to industry figures, getting water and getting rid of wastewater costs companies $7 to $9 for every barrel of oil they produce. Last year, the Texas legislature approved a new law that could reduce the expense by allowing wastewater from the Permian Basin to be treated and then released into West Texas rivers. It is one of the Earth's most serious industrial water treatment and disposal challenges. The Big Bend counties are avoiding that water challenge for the time being. Fracking is a considerably more distant risk. 
and in general the local geology presents a less than inviting prospect. At present, Big Bend counties have high groundwater levels and an ample supply, and the population of the area is low. The lull in the energy sector offers more breathing room for negotiating a better balance between shareholders and stakeholders, between what gets developed and what remains untamed. Gerfers is philosophical about what's practical. He doesn't think it's possible to change how drilling takes place in the Big Bend counties. He said, it's not going to happen, but we can understand it better. We can take steps to make sure we have enough water and know where it's going. Let's start talking about what we can do to lower costs, to make things safer, to make things better. We need to do something that's more inclusive, that's more positive. It looks like we have time. For Circle of Blue, this is Eileen Ray McCann. For more on this story, visit the Water Texas series at circleofblue.org.